Well, good morning. Welcome to the garden. So glad to be with uh, the church this morning. Thanks for bringing the church into these walls. Merry Christmas. Hope everybody's doing great. Hey, just a couple things uh, to remind you of. Uh, number one, uh, ladies, tonight uh, in this room, 6.30 prayer meeting happening here. So you, uh, ladies, you're invited to come back and hang out at 6.30 right here. And then also, uh, Garden City Running Club is uh, getting uh, established. So if you're ready to get up and get on the move, you can uh, sign up in the back and get more, more information about that. But groups of people from around here who are either experienced or novice new runners uh, curious about checking that out. Just getting together and putting some runs together in some cool places around Akron and Summit County. And we'd love to have you uh, get on that uh, list if you're curious about that. So, um, oh, also, uh, for those of you guys that did the angel tree, thank you. All the angels were taken. I see the gifts coming in. Thank you guys for doing that and for uh, blessing families that, uh, that need it uh, this Christmas. So you guys are awesome. Just like Thanksgiving baskets, you guys rise to the occasion and, uh, and you make it happen. You guys are uh, fantastic. Uh, by show of hands, I'm curious. How many of you guys have heard of the comedian Jim Gaffigan? Anybody heard of that? Okay, so uh, if you haven't heard of Jim Gaffigan, he's, he's just a funny guy, as all comedians are. But he's got this comedic bit that he does on camping. Now, if you like camping, this is not meant to offend you. But it is funny. And Jim Gaffigan essentially says, he says, um, like, where does the term happy camper even come from? Right? If somebody's doing well or feeling in high spirits, we say, oh, there's a happy camper. And that's a Jim Gaffigan voice right there. I just realized. Um, and his question is, like, why do, we, why do we describe somebody who is happy as a happy camper? Because he said the truth is there aren't any happy campers. Because when you go camping, uh, typically your tent leaks and you're wet for several days. And you're lying on tree roots and you can't sleep, so you're a tired mess. And you're getting bit by bugs all the time. So, like, there's no such thing as a happy camper. So why do we say that? And then he, one of his lines is so funny. He says, the, the only happy camper is the one who's packed up all their stuff. They're in their car and they're driving home. That's a happy camper right there, right? Um, and uh, this morning, interesting thing that I, that I want us to see is that God is a happy camper. He's a happy camper, right? Um, and we're going to have to dig in for that to make sense. You guys ready to dig in? All right, John chapter 1, starting in verse 14. How is it that God is a happy camper? John 1:14 says this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Right? There's a whole lot of loaded stuff here in this verse. But the word, in, right, we don't have time to describe word, what that means here. But essentially just read in God, right? the ultimate, the, divine, the creator of all. God, the word, God, became flesh and dwelt. The word dwelt there is the verb form of tent. So tent is a noun, it's a thing. But take the noun tent turn it into a verb, tented, whatever that verb is, that's what that word dwelt is, okay? So the word became flesh and tented among us. Or to use an Old Testament word, it's the same thing, tabernacled. And if some of you have like an Old English or maybe a King James, your, your Bible might actually say, and the word became flesh and tabernacled, tented among us. And it's clear here that the, his flesh 
became flesh, his flesh was his tent, his tabernacle. So Jesus tented among us God in the flesh. So right out of the gate, John is drawing our attention to something that actually goes back a couple of thousand years, right? This tabernacling idea of God dwelling here in a tent, it it goes back to Exodus chapter 26, okay? And you guys all know the book of Exodus is the great um, epic movement of God on behalf of his people whereby he took them out of slavery and moved them progressively into the promised land. But in Exodus chapter 26, God prescribes for his people that he wants his people to build him a tent. His people are living in tents at this point in the wilderness in Exodus chapter 26. And God is saying to them, I, I want to be camping with you. I want to tabernacle among you, right? And so God set up this, this essentially it's like Woodstock, right? Where everybody's tent camping together and there's all these tents and there's these different tribes all moving from place to place. But God's tent is in the middle of the whole thing. He is right there with them in close proximity and in close proximity he is moving with them from slavery and bondage in Egypt progressively over time then out into the wilderness and through the wilderness then into the promised land okay so so John as he begins to talk about Jesus wants us to be thinking about Exodus and God who tabernacles with his people and who moves with his people from bad things to really good things. Like that's who God is at his heart. He is a happy camper. Okay, so Jesus, John says, is, you want to know who Jesus is? Here's who he is. Jesus is God tenting, tabernacling among us in the flesh. Okay, like John chapter 1 Minds exploding. Like the people that are reading this, like, wow, that's who Jesus was? Yes, that's who Jesus is. So Jesus is God tenting with us, moving with people, on the move from bad to good. That's who Jesus is. Now, just for a historical context, um, God prescribes his temple, or his, sorry, his tabernacle in Exodus 26. For 500 years, God was a happy camper living in the tent, tabernacle, among his people, right? And we'll come back to that in a second, and things will start to click. Now, so John has us thinking about the Exodus, God's tabernacling, tenting presence in the Old Testament, right right out of the gate in John chapter 1. Now move to John chapter 7. John chapter 7 here's uh, we got to add another piece of the puzzle this morning before things can make sense. John chapter 7, verse 10, says this. Um, But after his, this is Jesus, but after Jesus' brothers had gone up to the feast, okay, question you should be asking is, what feast are they going up to? Good question. Hold off on that. But after Jesus' brothers had gone up to the feast, then he, Jesus, also went up, not publicly, but in private. The Jews were looking for him, Jesus, at the feast. What feast? Good question. We'll get there saying, all the Jews are saying, where is he at the feast? Okay, the feast that John is talking about here, we learned a couple verses earlier. It's called the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Tents. 
Okay? And it's this festival. God had several festivals that his people would, were like told to celebrate every single year, similar to how we do Thanksgiving, we do Christmas, we do Easter. God's people, Old Testament Israel, had festivals that on the calendar year they were like instructed to celebrate with him. And so this particular feast that is happening is the Feast of Tabernacles, and God prescribes this feast in Leviticus chapter 23, if you want to learn more about it. But here's essentially what the feast was about. It was designed to help God's people remember the Exodus and how God tabernacled with his people in close proximity, right there with them, right? Where's God's tent? Right over there. I see it. God's with us, his tabernacling presence, and he is moving with us from the bad Egypt to the good promised land and all the way in between. That's what the Feast of Tabernacles was meant to recall and to celebrate that God is the tabernacling, tenting among us God who's always on the move, leading us from something not great to something exceptional, right? It's a remembrance of that. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles was a seven-day festival. And one of the things that God told his people to do Every time we celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, every single year for seven days, here's what everybody had to do. You had to move out of your permanent structure where you lived, your home, with fixed walls of stone and a, and a roof that is secure and keeps all the elements out. Right? For seven days, you're going to move out of your house and you are going to move into a tent you're going to move into a tabernacle to help us actually, like, not just remember abstractly in our brains what God did among us, but to actually in our tactile experience be tent camping for seven days as a physical reminder of who God is and what he has done. He's the tabernacling present God who moves with us from the bad to the good, and he leads us and has led us and continues to lead us in that way. So John says, out of the gate, the word became flesh and tabernacle among us, John 1.14. Now in John 7, we got the feast of tabernacles going on that everybody in Israel is celebrating right now. And Jesus' brothers have gone to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast. Everybody's living in their tents. And then Jesus also goes to the feast in Jerusalem. And Jesus is living in a tent. Everybody's tent camping right now, celebrating the happy camper God who tents and lives and moves among us, okay? Now, verse 14. About the middle of the feast, three and a half days in, if it's a seven-day feast, about the middle of the feast, Jesus, the tabernacling presence of God, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. Okay, everybody say, everybody say, uh-oh. Not just because my podium is falling, but because... Uh-oh, the tabernacling presence of God has moved into the vicinity of the temple. Okay, anytime Jesus goes into the temple, what we typically see are sparks and controversy when the tabernacle ventures in to the temple. The tabernacle, the tent, God's presence on the move, goes into the temple the stationary, fixed place with secure walls and a secure roof. It's never moving. It's not going anywhere. It's just there. When the tabernacling, moving on the move, presence of God moves into the fixed stationary temple that people have built for God, there are 
sparks in difficulty. Let me just draw a distinction here just so we're um, moving our brains in the right direction. The difference between the tabernacle and the temple. This will make more sense as we go. But in the Cuyahoga Valley, there's a couple different places where the Cuyahoga River runs right alongside the old um, Ohio and Erie Canal. Anybody ever been there? Like within a football field, you can walk from the canal to the river. And if you've ever done this, it, like you'll, you'll understand this. The canal is a fixed structure place. Much like the temple, there's big, massive stones that are fixed and secure, and you can see the wall, right? The ancient wall of the canal, ancient 150 years, not very ancient, but you get it, right? The stones are fixed and stationary and secure, and inside of those fixed stationary stones is water that is also fixed and stationary, stagnant, because it's not going anywhere. And because it's not moving and going anywhere, it's like murky and it's yucky and it's like, it's not, it's not like if you had, if you had to take a bath, you, you would not want to take a bath in the canal because the water is stagnant and stationary and ew. It's ew because it's stagnant and stationary. But then go ahead and leave the canal, walk a hundred yards over here to the, to the river and the river is on the move. The river is flowing. It never stops. It never calls a timeout, not even a 20-second timeout. It just keeps moving, and it's bubbling, and it's oxygenating in its movement. It's refreshing itself. It is, right, it is refreshing, and it is clean, and it is clear. The mighty Cuyahoga, right? It's a clear river now. It's a beautiful thing because it's moving, and it's alive. There's a difference between a stagnant, fixed, stationary thing and a moving, on the journey, alive, being refreshed kind of a thing. So Jesus, the always moving, God, the always moving among us tabernacle, always refreshed, always alive, always supporting life, always oxygenated, right? God's tabernacling presence moves into the fixed, stationary, stagnant temple and typically explosions happen. Now, we, we got to do this. We got to go back and get a little historical context on the transition where, whereby God moved out of his tabernacle and into the temple. Just because we, we got to understand this. We got to go back to 1 Chronicles chapter 17. 1 Chronicles chapter 17. I'll just, you don't have to turn there. You can if you want. I'm just going to read it. Here's the context. Now, when David, now King David at this point, he's on his throne, like the golden age of Israel has, has launched, things are going fantastic, the kingdom is thriving. Now, when David lived in his house, okay, notice, David's not living in a tent here, David's living in a house, fixed, solid, secure, roof, right? It's no camping here. Now, when David lived in his house, David said to Nathan the prophet, Behold, prophet Nathan, I, the king, dwell in a house of cedar. It's nice. It's solid. Best materials we could find. This place is nice. Okay? Behold, prophet Nathan, I, the king, live in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under a tent. The Ark of the Covenant was the place where it was God's footstool. God resides in the heavens, but he dwells among us on earth. And the idea was, this is Old Testament, that God's 
footstool. He's sitting on his throne in heaven, but his feet are in the temple or or on the Ark of the Covenant, right? So David makes the point, like, it doesn't seem right, Nathan, that I, a mere mortal, live in this ornate, established, fixed, permanent, stationary, beautiful house when the God whom we serve and who is leading us lives in a run-down 500-year-old tent. That doesn't seem right to me, okay? And so David's intentions here are good, I think, noble, but maybe he's acting out of guilt a little bit. He feels a little guilty for having a nicer house than God. So David says, I want to build God a house. And Nathan says then, verse 2, Nathan said, do all that is in your heart for God is with you. Okay, Nathan spoke a little too soon. Now, verse 3. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan the prophet, and this is what the Lord said. Go tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, it is not you who will build me a house to dwell in. For I, God, have not lived in a house, permanent fixed wall structures and solid roof. I have not lived in a house since the day I brought Israel up to this day. I've I've never had a house ever in my history, God says. But I have gone from tent to tent and from dwelling to dwelling. God says, I haven't had a house. I've been tabernacling. I love it. I'm a happy camper. I've been a happy camper camper for 500 years. Verse 6. In all the places where I have moved with Israel. You can only move if you're living in a tent. It's hard to move when you got your fixed, stationary, secure dwelling place. But God says, in all the places where I have moved with all of Israel, did I ever speak a word with any of the leaders of Israel whom I've commanded to shepherd my people? Have I ever said to them, why have you not built me a house of cedar? God says, no, I've never asked for that, ever. Verse 7, now therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, David, I took you from the pasture and from following the sheep to be a prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone. Right? God reminds Nathan and David, God, I am the happy camper here. I don't need a fixed, solid, secure, ornate place. David, remember, I was with you, right? I was with my people in Egypt. I moved them from Egypt to the promised land. David, I was with you in the pasture when you were a boy. And I moved you from there to the throne. I'm the on the move with you God. That's who I am. I love the camping, moving from into experience. For 500 years, that's who I've shown myself to be. I don't need you to build me a house like yours. But David wants to build God a proper house. And God is so regularly kind to us that he regularly allows us to do things that he's not super pumped about. So David doesn't build a house for God, the permanent, fixed, stationary structure, but his son Solomon does. And it's cedar, and it's fixed, and it's solid, and it's ornate, it's stationary. And God, out of his sheer grace and humility, chooses to let his presence dwell there. Not because he wants the temple. He's a happy camper. But he says, I love my people. They hatched this idea. I, I, in relationship, I will go along with them. 
And then when Solomon builds the temple, God's glory fills the Holy of Holies. He's just a kind, humble God. Sometimes he goes along with our ideas, even though they're not his. In the temple over the years, since Solomon became for Israel a badge of honor. Look at the temple. It's beautiful. Our God who brought us out of Egypt into the promised land. Who was tabernacling? Well, let's not talk about that. He lives here in this beautiful thing that we have constructed. And they loved it. And there were many people whose sole occupation was to attend to the structure and to keep it beautiful, to keep it awesome, to keep it smelling good, to keep it functional and orderly in all of its fixed stationariness. But the assumption was always, there's the temple, that's God's house. Where's God? Right there in the temple. That's where he is. Be careful with that assumption. Right? Let's tease this out. Let's play the game, where's God, for just a second. You guys ever, you guys ever done the where's Waldo thing? It's like a picture with all this activity and a frenzy mess of people and places and things. And somehow in that picture, like you got to find where this one guy named Waldo is. Some people like that. It drives me crazy. But anyway, let's, let's play Where's God? I'm not doing Where's Waldo, but Where's God? And I, I just want, I'm just going to ask you to join me in this. Pretending like we haven't talked about any of the things that we've already talked about. I want you to like wipe that from your conscious slate, make it clean, and ask you, just tell the truth, Where's God? One thing or the other, I'll give them to you. All right, here's the question. Where's God? Is God in a permanent cedar, beautifully framed temple that is fixed, secure, and stationary? Or, or is God inside Mary's womb, moving from Nazareth to Bethlehem? Where is he? Where do you think? You got one choice right now. Where's he at? I think we're all going to say he's in the temple. Are we not? Because it just, it, it makes more sense to our brains. He's not in a womb moving from nowhere Nazareth to Bethlehem because we got a census going on? That's crazy talk, right? Just, just, it's complicated here in the first century for God's people, right? They're grappling with a lot of things here that aren't making sense to them. Where's God, right? Let's ask the question. Is God in the clean, orderly, well-kept temple or, or is God in the dusty, dirty, damp stable in a baby. Let's be honest. I think we would probably join most of the Jews in the first century and say, he's, he's probably more likely here, one or the other, he's probably more likely in the temple. Because that's more, that's more of a fitting place for him to be, right? Where's God? Is he in the aromatic, incense-filled temple? Oh, it smells good. It smells like a divine house in here. Or is he in the stable that smells, but not like incense, smells like manure and hay and various assorted animals? Where's God? Right? It's complicated. Where's God? Last one. Is God in the temple, right, surrounded by the religious elite in all of their religious vestiges, looking the part of the religious elite and leadership? Is he there surrounded by those people who are serving and attending to him in a regimented schedule in the temple where all the people are flocking to? Is he there or, or is he, right, out back in the stable again, surrounded by common poor people 
who he would call mom and dad, uh, and surrounded by, again, animals, and then soon to be attended to by nobody, lowly shepherds, where's God? I, boy, I think we can have some humility here and maybe some empathy for the people to whom Jesus is coming to, because it sure seems like the temple makes sense to be the place where God is. But the only problem is, it's not where he is. Because the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. He's on the move. Always on the move. And he's drawing close to his people. He doesn't like there to be a lot of boundaries between us. He's drawing close. And he's moving us from all the stuff that's junky and nasty. And he's moving us to all the things that are right and good and beautiful. Where's God? He's not in the temple. Where is he? Well, he's out there in the fields, out in the no lands of the wilderness, right? That we call Nazareth and Galilee. That's where he is. Nobody thinks he's there, but that's where he is. He's moving close with his people, moving them out of blindness into sight. He's moving them from disease into healing. He's moving them from demonic oppression into liberty. He's moving them from guilt and condemnation and sin into forgiveness and freedom. He's with his people in the tabernacle, on the move. That's where he is, because that's where he's always longed to be, because he's a happy, happy happy camper and he's been very clear about that with us when the tent loving close and personal god who loves being on the move with his people comes to the temple loving let's put god in his place Let's keep things how we like them, people. There's bound to be some confusion and some friction when the tabernacle visits the temple. And so into John chapter 6 and 7, Jesus is talking about himself as he's mingling with the Jews in the Feast of Tabernacles as it is happening and we're in the temple. John wants us to see this. And Jesus is talking about himself and people are confused and they move from confusion because they don't quite, like they've never heard any person talk like this about themselves and who they are and why they're here and what they're doing. But then their confusion turns into being offended and angry because Jesus is making some claims that aren't registering and it sounds pretty offensive to them, sounds pretty lofty and high. And then we get to John chapter 8 verse 53. Right? The dialogue between Jesus and his friends in the temple. Jesus is their friend. They're not his, but the conversation is happening. John 8, 53. Right? The religious leaders, the people in the temple say, during the Feast of Tabernacles, they say, Jesus, are you, right, They're grappling with what he's saying about himself, said, are you greater than our father Abraham, who kicked this whole thing off in Genesis 12? Are, do, you, do you think you're better than him? Abraham died. He's gone. And the prophets, who were also awesome people, they died. 
do you make yourself out to be? Who are you? A couple verses later, verse 56, Jesus speaks. Your father, Abraham, rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it from a distance and from the past, but by faith he saw what was coming. By faith he saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, uh, they're scratching their head here, they say, Jesus, you are not yet 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham? Put on your seatbelts right now. Put them on, strap them on, because you're going to fall out of your chair here. In response, you've seen Abraham, you're not even 50 years old. Who do you think you are? Verse 58, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Mic drop. Temple. Tabernacle in the temple. Mic drop. Jaws hitting the floor. Are you kidding me? And so, verse 59, so they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. They picked up stones to throw at him because they knew that they needed to kill him because Jesus had just uttered blasphemy. What do you mean? Well, remember, John has already got us thinking about Exodus. John 1.14, the tabernacling presence of God. Now, then, John chapter 7, he's got us thinking about the Feast of Tabernacles. We're there again. And then Jesus, the tabernacle, goes to the... T- John's, John's working us here and trying to show us something. And it's back in Exodus. So the tabernacling God who tells his people, they, make me a tent, I'm with you, we're going from, we're going to. Before the tabernacle was constructed, here's how the story of Exodus started. God shows up and meets with Moses in a burning bush. And he says, Moses... I've seen my people. I see where they are. It breaks my heart. We're going to go ahead and we're going to go grab them and we're going to move them from Egypt and we're going to move them to the promised land. Okay, and God speaks this from a literal burning bush. And then Moses freaks out as any of us would, right? Let's be humble and honest. Like, whoa, that's too big for me, God. And then Moses asked the question, all right, God, let's say, let's say this thing's really going to go down the way you're saying. When I go to Pharaoh and when I go to my people, your people, Israel, and I say, hey, guys, we're moving from, we're moving to, let's go. Pharaoh, you got to let us go because God said, like, who exactly should I say is leading us in this journey? Who are you in the burning bush that you're sending me? What's your name? And in Exodus chapter 3, Here it is, starting in verse 13. I'll just read it. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and and if they ask me, what is your name, what shall I say to them? God said to Moses, verse 14, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. It is God's personal name. So when Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am, and they picked up stones, it's because they were ready to kill him, because clearly God cannot be tabernacling among us in a person. God dwells in the temple. Now we got to kill you. 
Jesus says, I am. I am the one who is tabernacling with my people Israel. I am him. I am the one who they built a tent for and I moved in and I moved them from and through the wilderness into the promised land. I am the one who David said, hey, it's not right that I got a house and you got a tent. I am, that's me. I am. The burning bush was my first tabernacle. Spoke to Moses through it. Actually, the Garden of Eden was, but that was meant to be a moving tabernacle also. But God speaks in the burning bush and he says, now, hey, wait, we're going to move. Jesus said, I was the one who moved with my people in intimate, close proximity from and to. I was the one who journeyed with them all along the way because I'm a happy camper. I love this. Jesus says, here I am. I am and have always been the happy camper who loves drawing close to you who loves being on the move with you, who loves going from all the junk that you're in to all the beauty that I have designed you for, that, that's me. I am the one who is snuggled up cozy inside of Mary's womb. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. It's a head scratcher. You thought I was in the temple, but I am was inside Mary. That's me, Jesus says. And then, right, I am, leaves the womb, his temple starts to grow, get bigger, starts to mature and develop physically, his temple's growing. And then Jesus said, well, and I've just been, I've just been I am among you, leading you from all your junk to all the beautiful things that I got for you. But you can't see me and you can't hear me because you think that, you think I'm there. Here I am. Here I am. Don't miss the who for the what. Don't miss the person for the building. I'm here. Wow. So now what does this, what does this mean for us? Well, it means Merry Christmas. I am is still I am. He's still drawing near. It's who he is. He's always a happy camper. He's always setting up camp with us, longing to. And he's ready to move with us. And he wants to move us from. We all got different versions of our junk and our stuff. But he is eager to move with us from that into, right, the promised land kinds of things that he has for us. That's who he's always been. And he's just saying, I'm, I, I'm with you. Come with me. Let's go. Let's move. Let's not be the stagnant, fixed, secure canal that's a cesspool. of. Not, let's not be that. Let's move. Move with me. So for me, I just, just for the sake of illustration, maybe this will spark some things for you. Um, I've been uh, coaching basketball lately because it's basketball season and every one of my kids is doing it, Right? And so instead of just dropping them off and picking them up, I decided I might as well just go and be their coach because I'm at a, that time's occupied anyway. So I'm coaching a lot of teams right now. And uh, sometimes when I come home from coaching, Megan will say to me, like, uh, you really hate that, don't you? Like, that didn't go well, did it? Like, that was really hard. I'm like, yeah, that, that was bad. Because it's like, so, like so many you guys that are in the schools, you know that so many kids are just struggling today. Families are shambles and a mess. You're not just coaching sports now. 
you are tending to lives, and they're messy. And just like several weeks ago, I just started, I started shifting my approach to coaching. And every time before I go in, I say, God, uh, there's a whole bunch of kids in here that are in from places, and they're bad. Like we got, I could describe some home lives for you, and your jaw would drop. It's like nasty. And I'm going to head in, I'm going to hang out with these kids, and we're going to do some basketball, but there's other things that we need to do too. I say, God, I'm heading in here. And I haven't used this language yet, but essentially this is what I've been saying because I know who God is. I said, God, you're the happy camper. You're the one who draws close. And you love to be on the move with people. And right now, (sighs) Mm. I'm a tabernacle right now. Okay, so the best chance of your presence getting in there, it's right here. Because you've always been the happy camper. Now, it's like Jesus has died and rose, he's ascended. But then you sent your presence to dwell in us, the moving place where God is close to his people. That's me. Mm. So, if there's any hope, of anything happening in that gym tonight beyond pick and roll and making our jump shots if there's any hope of these kids moving from and to it's going to be because you're doing something in me and you're showing yourself out and through and in me as I participate with you the happy camping tabernacling with his people God hmm and I think I'm getting teared up here. One, because the theology is rich. But two, because God on the move is fantastic. And I tell you, I'm a pastor, and what that means to you is you think that I stand up here and teach you every week and hang out with you and counsel you and love on you. But I tell you, I have learned what it means to pastor outside of the temple. We're we're not the temple here, but you get what I'm saying. Outside of the fixed, secure, structured time and place of when and how we gather and we sing songs and we teach the Bible and we pray and we do announcements and we go, right? It is so fun to join with the I am present, tabernacling, tenting on the move Always got a plan, always got a vision for a person's life. It is so fun to be on the mission with him. And I I wish we could just have like some video recordings of locker room talks and pulling kids aside. It's like I can see God grabbing a hold of their heart. And they don't know what's happening, but I can see it because I am is here. And I just had to shift my perspective from, oh no, there's 15 kids in there that are a tragic mess and I got to get through the next two hours. That's a shift from that to the I am is with me and he's on the move and he's got some stuff he wants to do. So let's get at it.
things start to move. Not because I'm doing anything. I'm the depressed guy that comes home and says, coaching's terrible. That's me. But now God in me, well, that's a, that's a different thing right there. Oh, what a joy to be a tabernacle of the living God and to submit to his presence and to say, God, I want to participate with whatever it is that you're doing tonight. I'm in. Let's do this. He does this. It's the, invita- it's the Christmas invitation. Band, come on back up. We're going to sing just a little bit more. Yeah, I think I'm getting choked up because I'm seeing faces. Little basketball rug rats who were in some bad places and I see God on the move and I'm joining him, right? It's, oh, it's thrilling and it's, whew, it's, good. it's hard, it's tough, but it's good. It's the invitation to join him where he is. Not in the temple. Oh, it looks and it smells so good. Oh, it's nice. Yeah, we got our regimented schedule. We got control. We know what's happening here. No, it's different out there. It's different out there in the stables. It smells different. looks different. Ooh, it's dark. It's damp. It's, it's a different experience. But man, when he's there, I want to be where he is. And you do too. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for being the God who loves and longs to draw close to us. You want there to be no barriers, no three-foot stones between us, no cedar poles, however nicely hewn they are. You, want there, you don't want there to be much between, you just want to be right there with us. God, thank you that's who you are, that's who you've always been. And Father, we want to be the place now that Jesus has ascended and poured his spirit out on his sons and daughters. We want to be the ones in whom you tabernacle. And I pray that you would bring our tabernacles alive with your presence, that you would animate us and put us on the move. And you would show us in all the relationships around us and the places where we go, reveal to us, whisper to us what your plans and your hopes are and help us to join you, the God on the move. Help us to join. Thanks for drawing close. Forgive us for missing you. Thanks for being patient and kind with us and continuing to call out and inviting us to join you where you are. And now we sing to you because you're worth it. It's in Jesus' name.